following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We have been talking about being wholehearted. Last week I talked about how This is really the destination that God has for us as individuals and as a body. For us, specifically as a body, as we are asking the Lord to awaken us for revival to come in our land, really what we're asking for is this wholeheartedness to be awakened in us. This destination, a life fully committed to God, loving Him with everything I am, finding satisfaction in Him alone, That's the destination. This is what he's called us into. What we talked about last week is the good news that that is already within us, that desire. And so if you feel like, yeah, I'm not feeling that, good news, it's in there. It's in there somewhere because that was deposited in you at the time of salvation, this desire for your heart. You were given a new heart. And this desire for him is there. We talked about that there are sometimes things that choke that out, like the parable of the seeds, and it talks about how the uh, cares of the world and the deceitfulness, the lie that anything else can satisfy me and the desires for other things choke out our desire to be wholehearted in our relationship with God, our desire to live wholeheartedly for him. And so we need to recognize, though, that that seed, that desire is still in us, but that there's an awakening that's coming to that. Sometimes we have to deal with some of the weeds. We have to deal with some of the things that are choking that out. And so we talked about that some last week. We've also talked about, and Pastor Bob um, kind of laid the foundation for the reality that this journey of wholeheartedness is initiated not by our love and sustained not by our love, but initiated and sustained by his love, by abiding in the love of Jesus, by staying in that place of knowing the fullness of his love, by staying in that place, just like when we received the bread this morning, where we go, I know that all of you is for me, that you have given all for me. And that's not a reality that we just need to have on the day of salvation or, a, or a, a revelation. That's not something we need to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. No, that's a reality we need to receive on a daily basis. The fullness of his love for us. All of me for you, he says. And so this wholeheartedness is not going to come just from a place of me just trying to love him more or trying to convince myself, or even, you know, okay, I'm just going to deny myself all these other things, and then maybe, no, it's going to come from me just receiving the fullness of his love, how great your love is for me, and then my response is, okay, now I want to come closer to you. I want to be more, more wholehearted in you, because I find that I'm fully satisfied in you. Sometimes we feel this lack of love in our lives and we are begging other people for it and we're harassing them for it and we're mad at them because we're not getting it. And the reality is there's a perfect love that you can step into. There's a perfect love that you can learn to receive from. And then there's no deficit. 
You're not, you're not only able to love out of the measure that you're getting love from somebody else. That's a tough place to live. That puts a lot of control in other people's hands for how I'm going to be and how I'm going to act and how I can walk. But there is a place where I can come and receive the fullness of God's love. Hopefully you were touched by that this morning during the worship. Hopefully you were having a revelation of that, how fully and completely he loves you just as you are, right where you're at. Come closer. But this is a place that, honestly, I don't think popping in on a Sunday morning and getting connected to that love is going to do it. It's a place we abide in. It'd be like saying, okay, from now on, we're only going to eat on Sundays. Right? But we do that spiritually sometimes. So we want to live from this place of love. Knowing that his whole heart is for me allows me to respond with wholeheartedness. But here's the thing. We can sometimes think then that being wholehearted is all about the emotion of feeling his love. That, that a surrendered life is a life or a life of obedience to God, and, and, but that it's just going to come from the place of my emotions. It's going to come from, I just need enough emotion. This is why sometimes, this is why we become conference junkies, right? Because we go, I just, I need to be inspired to love God. I need to, I need to feel this emotion. I have to have this emotional response. But a life fully surrendered to God, lived in obedience to him, involves more than just your emotions. It involves your mind, and your will. And so sometimes when we talk about being wholehearted, we think, okay, it's all about how I feel. But this is important to recognize because the reality is we can have an encounter with God. It was a beautiful encounter with God this morning. Oh, it was hard to leave <laughs> until I looked at the clock. But it's a beautiful encounter with God. But we can, and, and we can feel like, I am all in with you. There can be tears and snot and jumping and arms wide and bowing on the floor. And I'm all in. And, and my whole body is engaged in giving to you. And yes, I know your love. And I love you back. And, and we can have this encounter. But it doesn't necessarily translate it to wholehearted surrender out there because our mind and our will didn't get aligned with that encounter. And so I want to talk about that this morning. How do we steward these encounters that we have so that we can walk in wholeheartedness, not just in the moment where we are really feeling it, not just in our prayer time in the morning. Maybe some of you are like, oh, I don't only connect with that at church. I do that during the day. And, and so you have your prayer time in the morning before anything can get ruined, before any of your children are awake. Nobody was mean to you yet. And it feels so good. And you feel so connected to God. But somewhere along the way, my mind and my will don't line up with where I went that morning unless I'm intentional about that. Because here's the thing. He will come, 
And he will minister to you, and he will make his presence known, and he'll speak love over you. But he will not violate your will. This is what he will not do. He will not violate your will. Yes, he put a new heart within you, and he put his spirit in you. He will not violate your will. Because there is no love where there's no choice. We know he won't violate our will. We wish in the Garden of Eden he would have violated the will of the first human beings. But he won't. He wouldn't even violate Jesus' will. Jesus, do you know Jesus had a will? Because <laughs> in another garden, isn't that interesting? Two gardens. In another garden, Jesus says, could you take this cup from me? And then ultimately he says, but not my will, but yours be done. How many of you agree that Jesus was super full of the Spirit? Like, none of you. Okay, thanks. How many of you agree that Jesus was so, so aware of the love of the Father for him? He was fully secure of the love of the Father. Thank you. Thank you, T. And yet, he still had to surrender his will. He still had to align his will and say yes. Because it wasn't going to be violated. He had to choose it. That's what love looks like. I wish. No, I don't wish. Sometimes we think we wish. That when Jesus, when we gave our life to Jesus and we came into this revelation of his love for us and, and the price that was paid and we said yes to that, that this transference would take place and we would just do everything that he wants us to do and, and we would just automatically, no, because he won't violate our will. That's why he doesn't like us to do that to other people. That's why manipulation is not cool. Because God values free choice. So, it's easy to be all in when we're in the middle of a, a worship session, partially because in that moment, our thoughts become fully set on him. Our thoughts become fully set on things above. There are places, you know, if I'm at a football game, I am not jumping around, just for me, I am not jumping around and yelling and screaming. It depends on if my kids are playing. That's possible I might yell a little bit. But I'm not. But there is something, when my thoughts come into alignment with who God is, my emotions go there. I begin to feel the reality of the love of Jesus and how worthy he is and how much I want him to be praised, how much I want him to have his glory, and it begins to well up in me. And then my actual will begins to surrender to that. And my hands go up and my body moves and and so there's this place where we go, God, we want to be wholehearted in our obedience to you. And, and it really does begin with 
set your mind on things above. And it's easy to do that in worship because, I mean, we're, it's in like three-part harmony and there's drums and there's pads. You thought that was the Holy Spirit. It's pads. And there's these amazing guitar riffs and, there's, and it's, it's, you, you begin to enter into and your thoughts go to who he is. But we want to be able to walk in wholeheartedness, not just visit wholeheartedness. I want to be able to have that same wholeheartedness when I'm dealing with a difficult person, when I see a need that I'm not sure how to meet, when I'm feeling like I don't have it together. I want to be able to walk in this same wholeheartedness. And Paul gives us some instructions about this. In Romans 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is be wholehearted. He's saying, I'm asking you, be wholehearted. This is reasonable, given that he has given all of himself to you. This is logical. That word reasonable has to do with a divine logic. There is a divine logic that he has given all to you, and so it is reasonable that you're going to give all to him. Present yourself wholeheartedly. But here's what he says. This is how, it'll be, how it will help us. Thank you, Paul, because that seemed like a tall order. He says, so do not be conformed, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Be transformed. Do you want to give yourself wholeheartedly? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you will do the will of God. Your will will get involved when you're transformed in the renewing of your mind. We need to recognize that we can be transformed by his love only to the degree that we are transformed by the renewing of his, our minds. That we allow his love to help us to think differently. That we allow his love to give us the mind of Christ. Before you came to Christ, your mind was not neutral. The word tells us that we were hostile in our minds towards God. So before we, and some of you go, yep, I know that so well. <laughs> that there, the thoughts that you had and the way that you thought became so different when you came to Christ. But that is a continuing process that we walk in. Having the mind of Christ is engaging our spirit to lead our thoughts. This is the war that we're in. This is the place where there's still, because he won't violate our will. He will give us the mind of Christ to the degree that we will receive the mind of Christ. He doesn't force feed us anything. And so this is an opportunity for us to connect to how powerful this is, that I would give everything to him. You know, we, we, sometimes we, 
come to this place where we go, yeah, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I'm going to keep my thoughts just for me. We maybe don't even recognize we can give our thoughts to God, that we can take his lordship in that place. It was so important that when they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Not because they really wanted to know, but they asked. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Yep, yep, got that. With all your soul. Yep. And with all your mind. That word literally means thoughts, reasoning, intellect. Does he have your mind? We talked about this in the transition. We have all of God. Does he have all of me? And this renewing in our mind, being transformed by the renewing of our minds, is us saying, I'm going to give you all of me, even my thoughts. Because I want the mind of Christ. I want to think like you think. And you say that it's possible. So being awakened, having personal revival, having revival on a corporate level, on a community level, isn't about getting more of God. It's about God getting more of us. Isn't that great? Because you know what I don't feel in control of? How much of God I can get. Like, that seems like that's kind of in his hands. He goes, oh, all of it. You can have all of it. Do you know what I do have control of? How much of me he gets. Right? In, in a relationship, in a marriage, I don't have control of how much love I get. I don't have control of how, how he gives to me. I do have control of how much of me he gets. And it's the same with God. That's a great place to be in. So we have all of him. So we have, when we come to Christ, we know that we, the, the old dies and the new comes, we become a new person. Now, the body that we have, we have to steward. I don't know why we don't get a new body. I mean, I mean, I do know why probably, but... Doesn't that seem like that would be a really good marketing strategy for salvation? <laughs> like people come to Jesus and they get a new body. We don't. We don't get a new body. We steward the body that we have. No new body at salvation. But he does ask us to honor him with our body. That that's part of what we give to him. I'm going to honor you with our body, with my body. Our spirit, which is dead, gets filled, gets breathed into, gets filled with life. So our body is stewarded, our spirit gets filled, it gets awakened, but then there's this other place of us that is our soul. And that's our, that's our mind and our will and our emotions. So I come to Jesus... I have the same old body, but I have a new spirit. It's awakened, and I've got all of God. We've established that. 
why do I still have problems? I'm walking around with all of God. <laughs> What's the problem? I still have something that needs to be surrendered to him. And this isn't a theological, you know, three-part being, spirit, soul, body, all of that. But we do have to understand that there is a part of us that does not just get transformed to robotically just do everything God wants us to do. There is a part of us that has to be surrendered. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. So usually what happens when we come to faith, when we come to Jesus, our emotions need to be healed. A lot of you have experienced that. You come in as you grow in the Lord. He heals us in the area of our emotions. He begins to heal those places. Our will never gets healed. It has to be surrendered. It doesn't get healed. It doesn't get... Because honestly, there's, our will is our will. There's nothing wrong with our will. It's meant to... My will is meant to be surrendered to him. And then our mind gets renewed. And this is what I want to... This is where I'm headed... Our mind gets renewed. This process takes place over time. And so one of the questions is, does he have your mind? How much of your mind does he have? Does he have your thoughts? He's inviting us into a deeper place of giving him that. In Proverbs 23, it says, As he thinks in his heart, so a man is, or so he is. I can never expect for my will to be in full obedience to Christ when my thoughts aren't submitted and surrendered to him, renewed by him. And this is what we do. We go, okay, I know wholeheartedness looks like I do all these things. Wholeheartedness looks like I obey this and I do that and I share my faith. And I... But if it doesn't come from a place where my mind has been renewed, It's just behavior management. And it won't stick and it won't be consistent. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Unsettled. Conflicted. We've felt that way, haven't we? Trying to just address the will without addressing the thoughts. Trying just to address that this is what I know I'm supposed to be doing and have that behavior just come out of sheer determination and not really fully be renewed in our mind. That's a lot of hard work. The thing is, when we are living a double life in that way, we haven't really truly picked a kingdom. (laughs) We haven't really truly said, yep, I'm all in, I'm wholehearted for this. And when we don't fully pick a kingdom and allow our thoughts to be the thoughts renewed to match the thoughts of that kingdom, we really have no authority. Do you know if you don't have a kingdom, you don't have authority. If you don't have citizenship, you don't have, what, what do you have? You, you can't, I can't go anywhere in any country without citizenship and make any demands until I pick a kingdom. And he's asking us, will you pick a kingdom? 
in this area of your thoughts? Will you allow yourself to have the mind of Christ? So here's one of the ways this looks in a practical sense. Well, we'll read the scripture, because it tells us how to do this. It says that we need to take our thoughts captive. We need to take our thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, to the way of Christ. And so this is, this is how we get to give our thoughts or be renewed in our mind as we take every thought captive. Here's what happens if we don't take our thoughts captive. Because we're bombarded all around us by ridiculous thoughts. We have thought leaders all over the place who are bringing to us all kinds of thoughts. And we, we, have thought, we have people we trust who are bringing us thoughts. News uh, venues used to just bring us facts. Now they also bring us thoughts. And so we're bombarded by these thoughts, and they're teaching us what to think. We need to take those thoughts captive and bring them into submission to Christ. What do you think about this? Is this a thought? I don't care who says it. I don't care how many people are in his meeting or her meeting. I don't care how much research they've done. We need to, in this day of this bombardment of superficial values and kind of bizarre thoughts, we need to take those things captive and submit them to the Lord. We need to stop submitting them to one another on Facebook. Submit them to the Lord. Pick a kingdom. So if we don't take our thoughts captive, we can easily become deceived. If we don't think, take our thoughts captive, we will not grow. Because we're supposed to be transformed from glory to glory by the renewing of our mind. And if I don't take my thoughts captive, do you know my thoughts that I'm thinking right now are designed perfectly for me to be exactly who I am and where I am right now. Your thoughts that you're having, if these are the thoughts you're going to have, you're going to stay right where you're at. But if I take them captive and I, I interrogate them <laughs> and I say, give me the mind of Christ for this matter, then I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And next year, I won't be in exactly the same place that I'm at right now. It's not about perfection in this. It's about growth. It's about being transformed from glory to glory. It's a process, but it doesn't happen if we don't take our thoughts captive. 
And then the final thing is that we'll be unstable, inconsistent, restless, unsettled. This is a good litmus test for us or alarm. Am I unstable, restless, unsettled? I feel like I'm doing a pharmaceutical ad. This has only good side effects. If I'm feeling that, and here's what we do. We feel that way and we go, oh no, it's just because I'm so passionate. It's just, I'm just so passionate about this. I'm just so, I'm just so militant about this. And I'm, no, you are double-minded. And you need to take that thought captive and bring it in obedience to Christ. I'm not saying you can't be passionate. Honey. <laughs> Passion's good. Passion, especially surrendered to the thoughts of Christ, are amazing. So, if we don't take our thoughts captive, that's what can happen. Here's, in two minutes or less, an exercise or a way that we can look at this. So here's how it works. We start with a fact. Facts are neutral. A fact is a fact. We are in a room. The chairs are blue. Fact, fact. So we start with a fact, and then what happens is we begin to attach a thought to the fact. And that's where we need to take something captive. So here's an example. Um, I walked by so-and-so on my way into church, and they didn't say hi to me. Fact, that's a fact. But we attach a thought. And the thought we attach is, so-and-so doesn't like me. Nobody here cares about me. I'm not welcome here. I don't belong. That was four thoughts, but that's how it goes. It snowballs, I'm telling you. And so we have a fact, it forms a thought, I receive that thought, then that thought becomes a feeling. Now I feel like I don't belong. I feel unwelcome. I feel like I don't want to come back. Whatever. And then that feeling becomes a choice that I align my will with. And it affects how I interact with other people. It affects whether I come to church next week. It affects whether I say hi. Because you know you can say hi. <laughs> but this is how that works. So we want to stop it at the thought perspective and say, okay, here's what's interesting. The world will be happy to tell you what thoughts to think about the fact. That's all that's going on right now. Here's a fact. Here's what you should think about that. The enemy is even more happy to tell you what to think about the fact. Here's a fact. Here's what you should think about that. Do you know who else is super happy to tell you about what you should think about the fact? Say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is super happy to tell you what to think about the fact. This is how we take our thoughts captive. This is how we can step into the fullness of wholeheartedness. 
because we align our will with the mind of Christ and we begin to think like he thinks. It sounds hard, it's not hard, but it does take intention. And we have gotten really used to double-mindedness. We have gotten really used to, these are my God thoughts, these are my other thoughts. We even have certain areas. I have certain areas. I think God thoughts about all this. All this. I'm always thinking God thoughts. Yep, those totally get it. I have other things over here I don't think God thoughts about. And then I wonder why it's so hard to be wholehearted. Why it's so hard to know and, and walk in his will and, and do the thing that I know he wants because I still have these thoughts over here. They're not been held captive. They haven't submitted to the mind of Christ. But we can do this. So here's an idea. Your emotions can tell you a lot about how you're doing at taking your thoughts captive. That doesn't mean, because emotions really don't have morality to them. That doesn't mean emotions are, are bad. Like, wow, if I have emotions, I must not be taking my thoughts captive. No. But your emotions, how you're feeling about something, will tell you a little bit about your thoughts in that area. So if you consider, okay, what's something, okay, that my emotions have been, okay, okay, what am I thinking in that area? I am feeling hopeless. What am I thinking that is allowing me to be hopeless? Your behavior, so you've got to go a step further. Your behavior, your will, your decisions, that will tell you a lot about your emotions. I'm doing this. I don't know what this is. For you, it's something. I'm doing this. Okay, I'll give one. I am doom scrolling. Yes, I'm a pastor and I do that. I am, I am flipping through nothing bad, just emptiness. Empty, empty, empty. I don't even like cats. You know, whatever. So I'm flipping through. I'm, and this is like, why? Why is this hard for me right now? Why, what? What am I feeling? I am feeling overwhelmed. I am feeling like I need an escape. I am feeling like I just, I can't make sense of this, so I'm just going to hang out in here where nothing really matters. Okay, so here I'm feeling overwhelmed. Okay, so that's my feeling, behavior, feeling, Here's my thought. What thoughts are leading me to that? You're not doing enough. You know, I mean, people, really, they expect more. And they, they're not getting what they need. And really, your daughter, she's not getting what she needs either. And I don't know what, you know, it, can you try harder? I, you know, whatever. So th those are my thoughts. But I have to take those thoughts captive because those are attached to some facts. Those are attached to someone reaching out and I can't get back to them right away. Those are attached to facts. And then I put this thought on them, but I can take that thought captive. And I can say, Jesus, how do you see this? Sometimes I'll have a thought that comes in and I'm getting good at this now where Holy Spirit will go, eh. Sorry, did I scare you? 
Like literally, I'll have a thought and he'll go, really? Like right away, I love that when that happens. It makes it so much easier. Could you just bleep all my thoughts that are, that'd be so great. But that's because I'm trying to practice this dialogue with him, this giving my thoughts to him and allowing him to take those thoughts. And here's the thing we need to recognize. The enemy is sneaky. He does not come and say, here's a thought that will ruin your marriage. Here's a thought that will keep you out of your destiny forever. He doesn't do that. Sometimes he dresses up like he's one of the good guys. And he, and he brings it, but we still have to take every thought captive. Where did this thought come from? What is it trying to do? What will happen when I let it in? And then you boot it. What's, what makes it easier, what makes it easier than trying to look and find all the bad thoughts and interrogate them all, because that is something we do need to do, what makes it even easier is if we can populate ourselves with a lot of God thoughts. Like, if there are more of them than there are of them. Because those thoughts are really good at sniffing out the not-God thoughts. doesn't matter what uniform they're wearing. They're like, yeah, no, that's not it. And so part of it for us is not just, okay, I'm just going to spend all my time looking for the bad thoughts. That's exhausting. But we're going to feast on the mind of Christ. Don't make that weird. But we're going to feast on his thoughts. He does say this is my body, I'm just saying. Let's close, oh lordy, let's close with uh, 1 Corinthians 2. You ever notice how when you're in a hurry, you lose your mind and you can't find things? Okay. 1 Corinthians 2. No. Oh, yeah, that's 2 Corinthians. See? I love how God keeps me humble. Okay. I don't have time. I would encourage you to read all of 1 Corinthians 2. But here's the part that I want to read. I really want to read all of it. Okay. Well, let's just do this. Um, Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? This is actually a scripture taken out of the Old Testament that he's quoting. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who can know the mind of the Lord? This whole chapter is about knowing the mind of the Lord. That um, there are things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart or mind of man. All that God has prepared for those who love him. The mind of Christ. So then, at the end of this chapter, he says, So who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have access to the thoughts of Jesus. 
I do a really good job at keeping out those thoughts when I stay focused on the thoughts of Jesus. That's by being in the Word. That's by just talking with Him. Listening probably more than talking. But spending time. Why don't you stand? Can we give him our mind today? Can we give him our thoughts? Can we be so grateful that he made a way for the, the transformation that needs to happen by the renewing of our mind? Lord, we thank you that our thoughts can come under the leadership of the Spirit, that you have put your Spirit within us and that you have given us the mind of Christ. We thank you that as that happens, our emotion changes, our will follows, and our actions change, and we can walk in that wholeheartedness that we long to be able to walk in with you. We just want to love you with everything. We want to love you with our whole heart, our soul, and our mind. And so this morning, we just choose to give you lordship over our mind. We ask that you would help us to label those thoughts that need to be taken captive. We ask that you would help us to come to the table and to just consume and fill ourselves with the thoughts of Jesus, with the way that Jesus thinks about ourselves, about others, about the situations around us, about what's going on in the world. We can have the mind of Christ about all of those things. So thank you for making a way. Thank you for never violating our will, <laughs> but making a way for us to choose you. Thank you for the invitation to come and be wholehearted. Thank you that we have all of you already. And this morning, we want to give you more of us. So we give you our thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.